I tell myself I'm going to do something, I do it. And that's it. If I'm running towards the finish line, I'll do my best to try and overtake as many people as possible. But if people fly past me, if ladies or whatever fly past me, I'm always like, go on, girl. Because it's, I just love being part of that. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by an endurance runner who has taken part in some of the toughest ultra marathon races in the world. She only discovered running in her 30s after running her first half marathon hungover alongside her brother. Since then, she has completed numerous endurance races and she was named the number one runner to follow on Instagram by Runners World. She has collaborated with brands such as Asics, Nike, Adidas, Whole Earth and Strava. Even after two surgeries to remove a cancerous tumour from her neck, she recovered and continued on running. Welcome to the studio, Susie Chan. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you, I'm good. Yeah. I'm hoping the sun comes out because it's been very, very rainy. I need to I run. I know, I know. This is June, what's going on? I don't like running in the rain, I'm a bit fair weather. Me too, mm. okay, I'm glad to hear that because I always say that and people laugh at me. I'm so happy to have you here in the studio, I'm mega excited. I honestly, you are an inspiration to so many people in the running community, oh, myself included. Uh, so for anyone listening who might not know much about you, what you mm-hmm. do, could you take us back to the start and maybe talk us through your incredible running journey? Well, I'll just start at the very beginning. I wasn't a runner at all. I think my PE teachers would struggle to remember me at all. I wasn't athletic. Um, I was a pretty typical sort of 20-year-old, lots of parties, smoking, kind of unhealthy, Um, And then I found myself at some point in my mid-30s, I was a single mum, I didn't really go out, I was a little bit miserable, and I was just sitting at home, just sort of, you know, watching TV and doing nothing. And my younger brother um, wanted to do a marathon, he wanted to tick it off the bucket list, um, just once in his life, tick it off. And as part of that journey, he basically cajoled me to do a local half marathon with him. And I thought, you know what, actually I need need something. So I agreed and... um, I started running, and I can I can remember my first few attempts at running. I you know I couldn't do a mile. I don't think. Um, anyway, I persevered. It was quite tough. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really know what I was doing, and um, the day of the race came, and I decided I didn't want to do it. I decided the night before I didn't want to do it, so I had some gin. Um, but he came around to my front door, hammered on the door, dragged me out. We turned up to this race, um, and it is so I was so terrified. I was so intimidated. Everybody knew looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, they all looked ready. It was something called a trail race. So I didn't even know what that meant. Apparently it meant running in mud. I'd been running on the road. Anyway, we set off and um, I was running with my brother and it was tough because it was hilly and in the mud and things which I wasn't used to. And at some point in the race, I think it was probably about nine miles, I realised that I was actually going to finish and I, I just couldn't believe it. And I had this real surge of energy and I suddenly felt, oh my gosh, you know, I can actually, I could do this if I keep going. And I went and I kept going and I persevered and I crossed the finish line and I think I was, I was really towards the back of the field. 
But I just genuinely couldn't believe I'd run 13 miles. I mean, it's a long way. And I was so elated. And the next day I can remember um, just being so, so proud. And I hadn't felt that before. I hadn't felt, you know, that sort of feeling. And uh, I could barely walk because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my legs were so wrecked. But I thought, Do you know what, I can, I, you know, I can, I, I really want to keep, keep doing this. And so um, I gave up smoking. <laughs> I, oh god and then i i started to to run i started to um you know to try and make it part of my weekly routine um and then i, I put a, a 10k racing so oh, i can do that i've really done that already you know and then another half marathon and then a marathon and this all happened quite quickly um and then it escalated quite quickly from that um i'd say within the first sort of 18 months to to ultra marathons and i have to be really honest with you i don't i don't actually on reflection i just think I didn't really know what I was doing, and it wasn't. Um, it was just born more out of ignorance than uh, than, than ambition. And I just thought, oh, I'll give that a go. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, and I've to been... go from like sorry, to go from smoking and not running at all, yeah. not being able to run a mile yeah. in eighteen months to be able to run an ultra marathon. Yeah, that's just <laughs> insane. Well, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm sort of. Um, I'm a bit sort of black and white. I think if I if I want to do something, I'll 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 try. And I really, really, I really fell in love with it. Um, and it was it, it became more than just going out for a run by myself. It became m- my friends and my sort of social life. I joined a running club, which was very intimidating. The first time I tried to join the running club, I went all the way to the door, and they thought, "Oh no, oh, oh I don't know," you know. And I turned around and went home again. And then I went back the next week, and they were so welcoming and lovely. And it just became a real positive thing in my life. And um, I was a bit, yeah. I just, I just, I just found a new sort of group of people that were very positive. Um, who just made me feel great and yeah. yeah and I just I just didn't want it to stop so I just kept going <laughs> wow amazing and then so how many times a week were you running because essentially I guess when you first started yeah were you running you know twice a week were you going out every morning like what was that like I think it was about three times a week training for that first marathon half marathon um you know I was probably yeah, three maybe sometimes four times a week um and then I also joined a, a sort of boot camp fitness class which I absolutely loved and I mean, it's hard when you start these things because when you start, you actually feel, it makes you feel like you're unfit because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you keep chipping away at it. And then at some point, you just you just think, oh, actually, I feel quite good. You know, you sleep better. And I just got a little bit, yeah, I just, just really got into fitness. And so I was probably maybe four times a week, you know, uh, running or, or doing a boot camp. And then when I signed up to my first marathon, I followed, I was terrified. <laughs> because <laughs> it's a long way I was terrified about failing and so I sort of had this marathon training plan which I followed um, and I think again that was four maybe sometimes five times a week but it wasn't um, it wasn't a huge amount it wasn't until I signed up for my first ultra that I I really upped up the mileage wow it's so impressive it's inspiring me right now just sitting here and it's really nice I think that you you know hearing your story of how you got started because so many people will say you know I think they expect if, if someone like yourself, they see you running, they see these incredible achievements. So they expect that you just laced up your trainers and mm. off you went, bounding down the oh. pavement, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's yeah, really, really amazing to hear you mm-hmm. describe that actually it was difficult to get started, even for you. It's it is. It's it's really, really hard because it, for me it was a it was a confidence thing. I just think, you know, I wasn't a runner or I, I couldn't quite do this, you know, and I, I can remember trying to run um I didn't even, I didn't know it was a mile because I didn't have a I didn't have a GPS watch. 
I had no idea how far I was running or indeed how fast. That came sort of later. I think I think after my first marathon, I think I bought a GPS watch. So I had no idea how far I was running. But all I knew is that I kept having to stop um, to gather my breath. Um, and I didn't really... Um, yeah, I was just kind of making up, but it is, it's it's really, really hard to, to get going. And I was doing it all by myself. And it wasn't until I found um, people to run with that um, I really sort of relaxed into it and, and realized, actually, I'm, I'm probably not as bad as I think I am. Yeah, amazing. So endurance running requires incredible discipline and mental toughness. So growing up and before you even started running, do you, did you always have a resilient side to you? Or is that something that you have cultivated over time? I, I don't know, actually. Um if I did or whether I just unearthed it I've always been quite independent quite um you know as a, as a child I was sort of happy in my own company um even though I've got maybe it's because I've got three brothers and sisters <laughs> I was sort of okay by myself so I guess I was to a certain point but n- I wouldn't say in an outstanding way no more than anybody else I guess I was just uh, pretty happy um in that sense being by myself I don't I wouldn't say I was actually no mm. I think I, it's something which I found along the way of running I didn't I didn't actually realise what is what you're capable of doing until you put your mind to it. Yeah. And were you competitive? You know, you said you had three siblings. Were you competitive? Are you competitive now? No, no. I'm sort of... Uh, I would say no, but um, I'm pretty certain if friends were listening to us, they'd be like, she's lying. But <laughs> I don't think I am. I'm competitive with myself. And if I don't sort of... I, I If I tell myself I'm going to do something, I do it. And that's it. If I'm running towards the finish line I'll do my best to try and overtake as many people as possible but if people fly past me if ladies or whatever fly past me I'm always like go on girl because it's I just love being part of that um I think when it suits me I can be but uh, I don't exhaust myself trying to beat everybody because no, I that's can't not what, that's I not what drives you no no I can't I'm not that fast <laughs> okay and you've com- you've completed Marathon de Saab four times which is just insane to me I feel like if I ever well I will I will never but if I ever attempted and completed Marathon de Saab once and once alone would be enough I would literally wear that as a badge of honor for the rest of my entire life so the fact that you've been back um, and done that four times for anyone listening who doesn't know it is a 250k foot race through the desert and it's boiling hot and you have to carry your things with you you know your your everything you need right your supplies your water your tent so tell us what is that like talk to me about that what is it like to run that race so um well one of the hardest things is actually that you have to carry all your things so the race is spread out over six days so it sounds really tough Um, and you're hitting probably over the five days you'll hit probably over 20 miles a day until the fourth day where they hit you with a with a double um, marathon it's normally they change the course every year they change the distance every year so it's there or thereabouts Um, but I think the furthest I run on that that is called the long stage on that fourth day was something like 96 kilometers which is a a hell of a long way (laughs) and then you have to get up and run again the next day but the the tough thing is is for me in particular is carrying all those things on my back so they do actually supply a, a sort of tent it's like a blanket on sticks and they supply water but it's it's heavily rationed so they give you water in sort of two or three liters worth every every um sort of 10 kilometers or so um but that's it that's all you get and if you want more water you get um uh, penalized or if you want two bottles more then you're disqualified so they're very strict with that but you have to carry all of your food all of your survival kit all of your sleeping gear um and for me that's really hard i'm not great with running with any weight on my back so i had to to train for that um, the good news is, is you're eating your way through your pack as the week progresses, so it gets lighter. So for me, and because I I couldn't carry a lot of weight on my back, I sacrificed everything that wasn't absolutely 
essential. So I had no change of clothes. I just wore the same clothes every week. It was disgusting. Um, <laughs> I I basically was on the minimal calories that are required by the by the race organisers per day. Um, so I was starving. I was genuinely probably about three to four thousand calories down a day. So oh my I was gosh. starving. So for me, the hardest thing is is the food because you become obsessed with food by about the third day. You're just dreaming of like roast potatoes and pizza, <laughs> carbohydrates, salt. You know. So that's that's tough because you're eating you know rehydrated food and it's a bit grim what um, kind of things are you eating oh so i i before these races i spend a lot of time um trying to find very very high calorie foods for for hardly any weight so uh this is gonna this is awful so pot noodles right so they have <laughs> two pot noodles are over a thousand calories oh wow um and they pack down to virtually nothing um there's not a lot of goodness in them but they've got a lot of calories and a lot of salt and they weigh nothing so that would be a day's meal so I'll get through in two pot noodles, which is gross. Um, and then <laughs> there are sort of some nutritionist, you know, sort of uh, uh, ready sort of dehydrated meals you can get. But I found the first couple of times eating the same thing every day is miserable. So um, I packed um, some Parmesan, which was heavy, but tasty. <laughs> I had, I vacuum packed that. What else? I bought all sorts of strange things. I vacuum packed a croissant uh, for the first day because um, that weighed nothing. It was a lot of calories. <laughs> wow. What about sweet stuff? Do you have any gels or like sweets? So I don't have a sweet tooth. I love savory food, but yes, I'd have um, no gels because they're actually by weight to uh, sort of calorie ratio, very heavy. So it would be sweet. So things like, um, you know, chewits, that sort of thing, which were quite, quite lightweight. I'd have maybe a packet of those a day, something like that. Yeah. Gosh, um, really not what I expected. I, I was know. thinking you were going to say, you know, that you were eating almonds and macadamias or like something that, There's you know. a lot of macadamia. So basically the first year I did it, it was a lot of nuts. Okay. There was a lot of nuts in there. And it got to the point where by about day four, I couldn't look at macadamia. I couldn't even look <laughs> at a macadamia. And I'll be honest, I've not eaten them since because okay. I survived on those for the first race and seeds and all those sorts of things. And it was, it was tough it was really really tough so um, you're not selling it to us Susie well <laughs> get your but this is the thing so by the fourth time I'd got my food right and I okay. did actually have a variety of food I had um I had a rehydrated mashed potato I found a really really good quality a version of that and it was delicious okay. um but yeah the food is, is hard to get right mm -hmm. so that aside um the running actually is almost like it's extraordinary it's a beautiful landscape it's, you think of the desert, you think of sand dunes, and yes, there are a lot of those, but it's extraordinary. It's just like no other place on earth, and it's it the, the landscape changes as you move through it, and it's so beautiful. And the sunsets are extraordinary; that you can see every single star in the sky. Wow! And you sort of fall into a routine. You get up, you run. It's pretty tough. It hurts your feet because your feet are wrecked because of all the sand in your shoes, and then you get back to camp, which is uh, which moves. It's a different place each day. And you are in a tent with seven other people, and these people become your family. There's no, um, you're not allowed any communications. There's no phones. You are cut off. You're in a little bubble, and these people at the start of the week, you know, you sort of, you sort of know them. But by the end of the week, you really you know really them. Know You've them. shared a lot of stories. <laughs> They've seen a lot of things. We've all seen a lot of things, and you carry each other through the week and through every race. It's the thing you remember the most. The sort of your camp. You're the camp life and the people you meet, and it's it's extraordinary. It's really, really extraordinary, and I'm I'm still friends with 
those people have either you know slept with <laughs> in the desert under the stars it's extraordinary wow. and what's the terrain like i know you mentioned about sand in your shoes but obviously if you if you train on on you know the road mm. what's the terrain like underfoot is it sandy so i would say it depends because they change the route but you're going to be looking at maybe about 30 percent sand and when i say sand i mean you know when you go to the beach and there's a really fluffy sand that wow. and up and down sand dunes so that's that's tough i mean it's it's, it's hard to run on that stuff mm. um, and then the rest of it is actually um quite hard underfoot it's very compact lots of sharp rocks so your trainers will be wrecked i mean completely wrecked i have a new pair on for the day one and by day six they're ready for the bin um, they're absolutely i've never known anything like it they're completely wrecked so it is actually quite like um really hard ground mm. underfoot so actually not too dissimilar to a road but then you have probably about maybe 15 percent of really technical climbing so you'll be going up uh, mountains um sort of clinging onto rocks and i'm terrible at that sort of stuff and then coming down sort of sharp decline so um a lot of rocks as well so wow. i'd say it's a rock hard compact ground and very fluffy sand. And the heat, we haven't even mentioned the heat, because oh, yeah. that's something that um, Ian described as being, you know, in terms of training and preparation, yeah. especially living here in the in the UK right yeah. now, you know, how do you train and prepare for that heat? So the, the heat is, is can be difficult actually. Um, it, it's actually not been too bad in the Sahara the last two times I've been there. It's been hot, it's the Sahara, but it's not been insufferable. Um, one year I did it, it was, it was extraordinary. It was, it was over 50 degrees, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Celsius, it was so hard. And uh, you have to, because the race is in April, you have to train over winter, which is obviously nothing like the Sahara Desert. Um, so I uh, work with Kingston University. They have um, a very good sports science department. I've been good friends with them for many years. And they have something called a heat chamber, which is a box with with one tiny window and they can control the um the the conditions inside and so you go in i go there probably every day for two weeks you go in for an hour and they set it at, you know 28 degrees <laughs> and then you're you're running sweating going oh this is ridiculous how on a treadmill on a treadmill sorry yes thinking how am i going to survive the desert and then each day you go back they crank it up a little bit more um and what it does it adjusts your body acclimatizes you and um that's worked every time for me um and i think i've also done one year and it was quite hard to factor it was quite difficult to get to and from kingston university so i'd factor in a lot of hot yoga i found a very good hot yoga studio and that was really good because what i was doing was actually um stretching a lot before <laughs> before the race so i felt quite good um you know a really good hot yoga studio helped me as well yeah. um just basically just anything that raises your core temperature mm -hmm. in a safe way yeah. um in the lead up to the race but you don't actually need to do it any more than about three weeks out because otherwise it's it's just going to be wasted sure oh it sounds incredible and honestly <laughs> it's so inspiring to think about you know i think we all are guilty sometimes of assuming what we can do and you know defining ourselves and putting ourselves in boxes and having our comfort zones and maybe thinking oh you know i can run but i can only do this or you know oh. what i mean so hearing you describe that you know as such a physical challenge a mental challenge and actually just the description of it i just think it's so amazing like as you said before what the human body really can do uh, genuinely genuinely i can tell you now if you went to the start line and had a look at that start line is a thousand people all different demographics all different body shapes they all have one thing in common and is they they want to be there and that is all you need the dropout rate of that race is very very small and and you can you can walk it and finish and the, all you need is to want to be there 
And I genuinely, genuinely believe that anybody, if they really wanted to do that race, they can. Because when I signed up to it, I had no clue if I could do it. And everybody told me I couldn't. And actually, you know, what I had and what all the other runners had in common is that they wanted to be there and they wanted to finish. And uh, I genuinely believe that if people out there want to do it, then they really, really can. Yeah. Wow. Why, why did you say people told you you couldn't? Oh, because they just want to look at me. And say, no, you can't. It, could, it, it, I mean, it sounds on paper it, it incredibly tough. And, you know, it is. It really, really is. But um, I think... It, it sounds so unattainable to somebody who's just running off marathons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it isn't. It really isn't. It's about attitude, I would say, um, and, and how you approach it. And yeah, I, I mean, I trained I trained quite hard for it. Of course I did. But um, in that race and with all ultramarathons, it's very much a state of mind. You can, your training's only going to get you so far. You mm-hmm. know, I've been in 100-mile races and there have been elites who have trained very, very hard. Um, and then, you know, people that have actually probably not trained nowhere near to the, to the extent, you know, an elite might drop out because their head's in the wrong place. And then, you know, the other person's going to get to the finish because they want it. Wow. So in those sorts of races, you, your head needs to be in the right space and you can do it. Okay. So on that note of, yeah, getting your head in the right space, how, as you said, you know, the physical training is only going to take you so far and the physical prep is only part of it. So how do you prepare mentally for those long endurance events? Yeah, so that is probably the thing, um, the thing which I have cultivated the most over over the years. And as I said at the beginning, I didn't really know if I could do it or not. But the more I did those things, the more I realised I could. And um, it's it's tough. I can vividly remember my first marathon. Oh. It's, they're so hard, aren't they? I mean, I don't want to put anybody off. You've got your first marathon. But when you get to mile 18, you do feel like it's the end of the world. And it's not. It's not. You just have to keep going. And I can remember thinking, don't stop, don't stop. You know, it was probably one of the hardest running moments of my life. Thinking, I've, I've done all this training. I, I really, really, really wanted to stop. And I didn't. And all I could think about was, and this is probably a bit extreme. I was, I was a little bit doolally at the time. It's like, it, you wouldn't stop if your daughter's life depended on it. You would keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and so I kept going. I kept going. And I kept on making all these ridiculous deals with myself to keep going if you keep going you can buy those things that you want to, <laughs> yeah. and, and I made it to the end um and then all of those all of those race situations that I've had all of those even running situations that I've had I put in the bank I remember them and some of the really vital ones are the ones where it's like you know it's like a Tuesday morning it's raining it's winter you don't want to go outside you really really don't want to go running and then I put my trains on and I go out running you know and it's like a four mile run but it's a win because I've gone out and I've done it and it's all a big tick and I remember all of those experiences and I I put them in a little mental box and when I'm feeling really really down or really struggling in a race I really focus on all of those things and all of the positives that I've built up in all of my running and it gets me to the finish line and one big mantra that I always have is like it's only a few hours in your life um, sure. So if some of those 100-mile runs I've done, they normally last 24 hours. And I just think, as I'm running, I think, well, this time tomorrow, I'm going to be in a bath with loads of bubbles. Or this time tomorrow, I'm going to be relaxing on my sofa with my dogs, you know. So um, mm. lots, I, I have lots of um, mental tricks to keep myself positive. Yeah, I like that, especially, as you said, giving yourself proof and saying, because I've talked about that before, saying, you know, you didn't think you could run five miles and you did. Yeah. Then you didn't think you could run maybe seven miles and you did. So I started when I was training for my first marathon doing that and saying well if you did seven maybe you can run eight yeah if you ran eight maybe you can run nine and yeah. as you said you kind of just I guess giving yourself proof you know yeah. especially for people who like to um I don't know like I'm quite an analytical like oh, person yeah. so I think I like to break things down look at the stats and yeah that really helps me to go right you've got proof that you've yeah. done this before you can do it again and I think it's really important it's quite you know in this world that we live in there's lots of 
things out there and people to compare yourself to. I think it's really, really important to acknowledge what you've done and how far you've come. You know, on those days where, you know, it is a little tough, just remember what it was like when you started and how far you've come. And that really helps me. That really, really helps me think, actually, you know, I can remember when, when I can remember when, you know, my first half marathon, when I'd never run 30 miles. And it is, it's a very, very long way. And you think, oh, you know, actually, maybe I can, you know. Yeah, definitely. So even though we both love running, you know, you've just touched on some, you know, in races it can get tough. And even mm. some mornings it can get tough. And, mm. you know, it's not always great. We love to run, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's just hard. And you just have to accept that it's hard and, you know, be disciplined. And have you ever, I guess, found yourself in a really tough spot, maybe in a race and just thought, I actually can't carry on. And how have you? You, how did you get through it yeah well first I want to say it is it is really tough um you know I know it, it, outwardly I mean I've never ever regretted to run I have to say that straight up but sometimes it is tough and sometimes you're really tired and do you know what in those days it is perfectly okay to have a day off and go that's fine and then not analyze it go all right fine I had a day off. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bath instead or whatever I'm just gonna sit down and relax yeah you know and then right that's done and then the next day go out with a bit more gusto yeah um I think it's perfectly okay it can seem that people are always running and always on it and always you know training and and it's okay to it's perfectly human um having said that i have i have had a race this is the only time i ever thought i can't do this um and it was a race called jungle ultra and i was in the amazon rainforest and um i was it's six days similar to the marathon sub six days carrying everything in your back and i was running you know, uh, like 20 miles a day or whatever. And then I was having to pitch a hammock, which I couldn't do. So I was waking up on the floor of the jungle all wet. Um, and it was really hard. Each day was longer than the previous day, which was the hardest thing. And I was about three, four, four days in. And I'm, I basically, I, had, I hadn't really prepared properly for this race. So my kit wasn't really serving me very well. Everything was wet. My food had all got wet on day two. So I was kind of eating soggy food. Oh, no. It was horrible. My sleeping bag, was, it was horrible. And on the day, fourth day, I just, it was raining. And I had to do this ridiculous climb um, through the thick jungle. And it was just, it was something like 3,000, I don't know, uh, a foot up in like two miles. Something, something ridiculous. And it took me ages. I was chipping away for ages at this hill in the jungle. And then I got to the top. I thought, okay, that's done. I'll never have to do that again in my life. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and then I started to descend. And about every seven steps, because it was so slippery, I just fell over oh, no. on the way down. Because it was so steep. And I was grabbing hold of trees and getting stung. And ants were biting me every time I fell over. It hurt. And, and I think I did about 15, 20 minutes of that on the way down. And I thought, I Actually, I've had enough now. I'm done. <laughs> Time I wanna, to go home. I want to go home. <laughs> I've had enough. And normally in, in those races, you, you stop running by handing your number in. Um, and I actually, I think I was unpinning my number. And then it occurred to me, I was, I was literally in the middle of nowhere. There was no one. There's not a race official. The next race official was at the finish line of that day <laughs> and so I was like oh no and I can't quit I can't, I can't. the only way I could quit is to get to the finish line and tell them I'm not doing tomorrow and so I, was like, oh. so I had a real word with myself like well you're going that way anyway I kept going it was only about five mile miles to the finish I got to the finish I told them that you know it was ridiculous and they're like ah oh, but you're gonna do tomorrow aren't you Susie have a, have some food have a rest and then, of course, I did, and then I did, and I went on, and I finished the race. Um, I did all right in the race in the end. I think uh, that was that that got to me. That did, but what it showed me was that I thought I was done, but I wasn't done. You know, and you actually, still I still had something left. Um, mentally, when your head goes, it's very tough. Um, so 
it actually, on reflection, I'm so glad that I didn't stop because it, it showed me that I could I could do it and I could finish. And I was actually, once again, stronger than I thought I was. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I'm literally listening here being like, oh, my gosh, as you're describing it. It's, you know, even the, especially the food thing for me. Oh. I love food. I love so to eat. I. And so, as you said, that was, I think that's what I struggle with the most. But I'm, tell you what, you know, I, I spend a lot of time running thinking about all the amazing food. <laughs> you're going to eat at the I'm going to reward myself with the banquet at the end. Yeah. Okay, so I mentioned at the start that last year you had two surgeries mm. to remove a large tumour from your neck. And that must have been, well, firstly a shock and also incredibly scary for you. So mm. has that experience changed you in any way? I think it has. At the time, I can only say this with a bit of hindsight, actually. At the time, I dealt with it by... T- telling myself that everything was fine, everything's actually okay. Um, and I was absolutely fine. I'm going to carry on doing all of these these races. And I had all these these ultramarathons booked in the diary. And I had to miss one because I was actually in hospital <laughs> getting the operation done. Um, that was why I used to call Pilgrim's Ultra, um, local to me. Um, and then after that, I think I, I came out and I had, a ha- I had the big half in London. And it was like 10 days after surgery and I was thinking oh I don't know if I can you know should I do should I do this I actually feel all right maybe I shouldn't maybe I should so I thought I didn't I'll just turn up and see what happens and I ran it and I, I can't believe I Susie, ran it I know I'm like oh, no. mum over here I know I probably shouldn't have done but do you know what it was it was really really I I, I love that race I mean I just took it very easy um high-fiving people it was so life-affirming I was proper elated when I finished because I thought okay it was like starting again it really was I was like okay I can do this and then I had um <laughs> this now this one I I phoned up the race director said I might not I might not do this it was a 50 mile and that was about two weeks after that and I was like maybe I I don't know I probably shouldn't do it. I'll go along and help and this was in America I booked the tickets anyway so I'll just go and help and then on the race day I thought I'll just see how far I can go. And then I ran it. Oh my <laughs> God. Did you ask your doctors about this? Did you get you like know kind what? of sign up? The honest gospel truth is I didn't ask them directly. I just said something. they would have said no. <laughs> probably. Yeah. They probably said you need to rest a bit more. Um, and then I did that race. I came third. I got, I got, I got a bit of like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. You know, and I, I really, and then I did mm. Marathon de Saab, um, another maybe three weeks after that. And that one was the one which meant the most. It, I was with my best friends, my best friends in the world, um, and my husband, and bless them. I mean, I think on reflection, they pretty much gave up their race to, to, to be with me. And right. so all, we all together, we ran the whole race from start to finish. And when I crossed the finish line of that, I mean, even now I get be like, oh, it was lovely. Because it was, it was my race, that race. It's, the, it's my favorite race. It's the, the fourth time I'd done it. And that time was really important to me. And um, the, the race, the, the race organizers, they, they know there's, there's people that do it that are terminally ill, um, you know, and they look after you, you, you know, they, they really look after you. Um, and so they were keeping a close eye on me um, and it was wonderful. And then after that, I think I was basically what I did. I basically was like, I'm absolutely fine. I'm going to prove myself I'm fine. And then I did a hundred miler the month after that. <laughs> um, and then I realized I was quite tired and I probably needed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> tired just listening to you. So I, I dealt with it in a way which was probably the opposite of, of relaxing. I sort of went out and 
was trying to prove to myself, to other people, I don't know what I was trying to prove, but I was just trying to prove that everything was fine. Okay. And, um, so that was like coping with it, maybe? It was like, that was, I think that was my coping me- method by running a very long way. And it wasn't actually until I did one last ultra in September, which I got injured in actually. It was, a, it was running around a 400 meter track for 24 hours. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've heard, is this in America? No, this is actually, this was in Tooting in South London. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't very glamorous. It was lovely though. Um, and then I got slightly injured and I can remember sitting on the floor at the end of that thinking, okay. Need a break. I need a break. I need, I need to, to, to not, I, I'm done. I've proved that I'm fine. I was actually was fine by that yeah. point, you know. Um, and I just sort of, I, I, I spent a few, a uh, bit of time off that sort of just scaling it back and you know yeah, it's good. okay and so this year actually i haven't done any ultra marathons yet i thought you know what i'm just gonna um just just get back to basics a bit and mm-hmm. so i've been doing um 10ks which are hard man they're short, hard. short and speedy yeah i'm no good at that stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so concentrating on that a little bit and i'm really enjoying it i'm back yeah. down track once a week yeah. and uh, it's really good fun and then I, I think i'll just you know a lot lower mileage this mm-hmm. this first six months of the year um, and then I'll, I'll look towards a, a goal, a couple of good races towards the end, I think. Wow. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you are well and that it's all going well for you. And, you know, it's really interesting that I think you had that response. You know, I think for some people, perhaps it would have been maybe the other way. They might have been afraid to say, mm. you know what, I, I really need to. Sometimes I think with, with health, especially, it's scary. You know, I, I have someone who I, I get quite scared by those kind of things. And it makes me think, oh, actually, you know, yeah, take it all back. Rest, rest, rest. You know, look after your body. Don't push yourself. Don't push, you know, and I think actually it's it's interesting that you had that mindset of being like I'm fine and I want to show myself that I'm fine and by yeah. doing these long races it was kind of yeah like proving to yourself you know yeah. that I'm okay I think I think it was probably I think I probably over rotated a bit too much <laughs> I think uh, somewhere in the middle I should have maybe stopped at the half marathon you know I got yeah. yes um so I think on, on reflection it probably didn't do it, it, it probably would have been better off having a holiday or something as well but sure. um that's that's how I dealt with it and I, I have no regrets because I had I really enjoyed every single one of those races i felt properly alive in them great amazing (laughs) okay so scaling it back a little bit as we're talking about you know ultras and races in the Mm. jungle and the desert and all of that which is inspiring and incredible Mm. but for anyone listening to this show who's like adrienne susie you guys love to run Mm. i i just i'm not a runner or i just i don't enjoy it or i want to enjoy it or i want to get started but i just don't think that i can Mm. you know just the first things you know like we talked about the first mile or the first Mm. 5k or whatever for anyone listening to this show who might be tempted now to lace up their shoes maybe for the very first time in their lives do you have any advice for them for getting started i would say yeah i mean do it i don't believe that there's a single person uh, who isn't a runner um you know i think people in as i said it was so intimidating when i started i i didn't you know think i could do any of those things really just it's about you i'd say and don't the first few runs are probably some of the hardest you're going to do in your life i'd say and and just acknowledge we've talked about this acknowledge how far you've come i would say set yourself easy small um targets so literally like i'm going to run two lampposts and then i'm going to walk two lampposts and run two lampposts i think a lot of people they go out and they just start running and then they get to the point where actually they're out of breath and they have to stop i this is how i started Mm um you know, and actually, on, on reflection now, I know more about running. I didn't pace myself well at all. I just went off as hard as I could, and then it hurt. Um, so actually, start off very steadily and, and build up slowly. And one of the, the crucial things for me was finding um, finding my tribe, finding my, um, my my running friends. And I found this through a local run club. You might have a local run club. Some of them can be quite serious. Some of them um, 
can be much more relaxed. My my running club's great. They've got a perfect mix of both. They've got really great runners and they, they go to the pub. <laughs> um, but Parkrun is actually a great place to go. It's um, it's 5K. Um, you don't have to do 5K if you don't want to. Nobody comes last in Parkrun. <clears throat> so my father is 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, on his 70th birthday, he decided he wanted to, to run. Okay, my father cannot understand why I do some of the things I do. I mean, I, sometimes I don't tell him some of the things I'm doing because he does not understand why I'd want to like run through a jungle and so he started running uh, like <clears throat> I think he said to two lampposts and then walked back and he built up to 1k which he was delighted with and by Christmas he was up to 3k by doing this sort of run walk run walk run walk um, and I said let's do a park run and he was terrified he said I don't want to be I'll, I'll be last I'll be last you know um, I said, no, you won't. Nobody, nobody comes last in Parkrun. They have, they have um, sort of tail walkers. People walk Parkrun. I said, you'll be fine. You can run 3K. We can walk too. Um, anyway, he went to Parkrun. Um, he got 3K and he said, I think I'm going to keep running. I think I'm going to keep running. And then he did 4K and then he did 5K. And he was just delighted. And it's a really wonderful, supportive community. And that's, if you're new to running, that's where you want to go. That's where you want to head. Because, um, you know, they'll look after you and... and always always acknowledge um you know how far you've come i'd say be proud of it and and if you can only run you know for like two minutes of time that's still running that's how we all started yeah exactly i love that everyone had to be a beginner once everyone had to go out for the first time thank you so much Susie. you're awesome i feel like runners are in two camps so there's often uh the podcast and the music so when i go out i've always got headphones on and people mm. always ask me what are you listening to so Susie, when mm. you run do yeah. you wear headphones do you listen to music or podcasts so i do wear headphones and when I'm running um, if it's just a training run I listen to <clears throat> I listen to music okay um, but when I'm traveling I always have headphones always had headphones uh, it'll be podcasts okay. so if I'm in a car or you know on a plane or just somewhere I, I binge on podcasts and mm-hmm. then when I'm running it's it's music just to help me help me along a bit <laughs> oh cool okay yeah I used to run with music but I feel like it makes me run too fast oh so if I'm listening to music I don't have that problem but I mean but no, it's, it's definitely a problem because I can't then I can't sustain it you oh. know what I mean so like I'll go off and the music's like pumping I've got Missy Elliott and I'm like yes yes and then I'm like 3k in I'm like you're sprinting this is ridiculous whereas when I listen to podcasts it slows me down oh, right. I actually run at, at the proper pace you know yeah. oh I don't I don't need to be slowed down at all <laughs> ultra pacing's quite slow no Susie I think I'd struggle to keep up with you let's keep it let's get, not get it twisted <laughs> there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so I guess we should talk about the power hour mm. as this is the power hour show. So Susie, I get up early. It's, uh, you know, I get a lot of my training done first thing in the mm. morning. I love my mornings. Um, haven't always been, but that's, that's working for me right now. So I'd love to know... I don't even know if you're a morning person or not. So I'd really love to know what time do you wake up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like? So I am actually a morning person. I go to bed really early. I'm quite boring on, on that front. Um, I normally wake up at about 6, 6.15. So my husband's always up really early as well. And uh, my morning will go one of two ways. 
either I will, uh, well, we wake up normally really early. Either I'll get up and go for a run, get it over and done with, get it out of the way. I quite like running in the morning because, uh, you know, you'll be eating your sort of toast and tea by 10 and you're feeling great, basically. Um, I'll either uh, run straight away or I'll probably run at about sort of nine, eight o'clock, that sort of thing. And then I'll spend that first hour normally, if I'm really honest with you, petting my dogs, making sure my daughter's off to college okay and scrolling through Instagram and then doing my emails. I get a lot of emails done, get them done, out the way, bang, first thing in the morning. So I try and and tick something off in that first hour. Um, so I'm either running or, or doing some admin, life admin. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a very productive time, I think. If you, like you said, if you go to bed early, especially, that is something I'm actually, someone's coming on to speak very soon on the show about sleep mm. because um, people say that to me. They're like, well, if you're up early and you're out running before, you know, if you've done 10K before you've even, you know, <laughs> taken your son to school or whatever, it's like, aren't you tired in the afternoon? No, and I'm like, no, I'm I go to bed early. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sleep is so, so important. And actually it took me... Until I started running, actually, to be able to sleep properly. I had insomnia for a while, and it was just so grim. Um, sleep, yeah, I sleep for, if I, at minimum seven hours, sometimes eight if mm-hmm. I can. It's so important. Um, yeah, if I feel tired, I just go to bed. That's the, <laughs> that's the way I roll. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. We're the, only, we're the only species on the planet who deprives ourselves of sleep. Yeah. Every other animal, oh, if wow. they're tired, they sleep. Yeah. No other animal will try to stay awake longer, longer, longer. Wow. Only us humans will wow. either, you know, with caffeine or with even just the TV. You know, it's like, I'll just watch one more episode. Yeah. When you're exhausted and your eyes are closing, it's like, go to bed. I'm quite strict. And occasionally I'll go through this sort of phase where I'll be like, right, okay, no phones after nine o'clock. Um, and try and kind of do that sort of brain, brain switch off. Because there's... I, trying to go to sleep when you're a bit overstimulated from having watched something or, or, mm. or been in like I don't know been at a party or whatever it's really hard yeah. it's so hard so you need to have that little un- unwind and sleep is for runners as well it's where you repair yeah. a lot so it's very very crucial and do you ever nap do you are you in- I can't nap no, no. no I'm not a napper no okay. I've never been able to do that no, no, I heard that from an athlete recently. She said she takes power naps in the afternoon. Yeah, but she's training twice a day. So it's yeah. like in between training sessions, she'll have yeah. a nap. Yeah, I, I have friends that do that. But I, I can't sleep in the day. No. I to go to bed earlier. Cool. <laughs> okay, so I'd love to know, Susie, if you have a challenge for our listeners this week. So we call it the Power Hour Challenge. Okay. It can be anything, small, big, whatever. Something that they could try maybe every day this week for, or maybe for one hour. What do you think? Anything we could try? So yeah, I uh, occasionally go through phases where I give myself a little challenge and that's just to tick something off in my life, you know, um, get something done, something out of the way. And whether that is just do, for me, stretching, that sort of thing, or whether it's literally clear up that one thing that I'm meant to do, that thing which I've been looking at for absolutely ages, actually just to get rid of that or chuck it in the bin or, you know, uh, just do one small thing off my to-do list and I'll go through phases where I have like a week and I'm like, I'm going to do one thing a day. And it doesn't have to be massive. You know, for me, it'd be like clear out all the rubbish in my car, for example, um, or make sure I do my stretches. So something very, very simple, 10 minutes, five minute job, get it done, set yourself at the beginning of the day, have it done by the end of the day, and you'll feel like you've achieved something. Brilliant. I love that. Yes. So one small thing every single day this week, get involved, people. Okay, so where can people find you online if they want to follow? Susie's Instagram is incredible. You've always got a smile on your face wherever you are running around the world. So yeah, where can people find you? So just yeah, just have a, have a little Google. It's S-U-S-I-E. C-H-A-N, Susie Chan. Just have a look. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, just have a look for me. Awesome. Okay, and my last closing question, which I ask to every single guest on the show, is all about time. And I am so grateful, Susie, that you gave us an hour of your time today. I know that the listeners are going to be inspired and just it's amazing to hear your story and your journey. So thank you. 
And as I said, I think time's most important thing that we all have. You can get your money back, but you can never get your time back. Mm. So what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? It's tough, actually. I think probably, and this is going to sound, um, this is going to sound quite narcissistic, but that you really should, you know, um, make time for yourself. Um, I think in this world, you know, you can, you can spend so much time working and dealing with just life and actually making sure that if you're okay, then you're actually going to be a better person to those around you. Um, and it's not like I spend absolutely ages thinking about myself or <laughs> doing things for myself. But now and again, I'll be like, do you know what? I'm just going to have this little buffer, this little buffer, this little one hour in the day where I can recalibrate. And I think if you do that, um, have a little bit of respect for yourself, then you can be a better person. And it's taken me, how old am I now? 44. About 40 years to get to that point to realise, actually, I don't have to try and run around pleasing everybody all of the time because it's impossible. It's an impossible thing to do. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I really, really hope that you enjoyed this episode with Susie. Please share it. Don't forget you can rate and review us over on iTunes. Have an awesome week. Get out there. Get running. Let us know if you are running this week. See ya. See ya.